0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hallway Chat. Um, We've got three people in the hallway today. Um, Nabil, we have Bijan, and we have a special guest. Like we promised some three or four weeks ago, we'd have one in a couple of weeks. Uh, We have Fred Wilson here with us today.
1: Hey, welcome, Fred. We're going
2: to confuse everybody. People are going to think that I've joined Spark as a a partner if I'm participating in Hallway Chat. And the thing that's funny about that is that this week, Vanity Fair wrote uh, an article about some comments that I made at a conference recently, and said, first round capitals, Fred Wilson." <laughs> so it's very clear that I'm, you know, rotating around yes. the venture capital world. You know, you've free, got your free, fingers in freelancing, <laughs> freelancing all over the place, which is cool. Both both firms are at the top of my list of favorite venture capital firms, so I'm
1: happy to be here uh, in the Spark hallway. That's awesome. I, I remember one time you, you called us. Union Square North and I, 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 I liked Spark Square Ventures better than uh We're <laughs> <Or> Spark South. <laughs> <or Sparks. laughs> All right. Excellent. Hey, so we tweeted out like maybe less than ten minutes ago that you were gonna be on with us and uh, there were a few questions, some I thought were kind of fun, so why don't why don't we just take on a few of those? So um we gotta sorry. start with Mark so so we gotta start with Mark. So so Mark uh Pinkus um
0: CEO, founder, CEO of Zynga, although former CEO, I guess, newly appointed CEO as of yesterday uh, to replace him. But he he asked, Fred, uh, how did he first discover
2: social media? Right. And so the reason Mark asked this is that in his view, uh, he introduced me to social media. And I will say that um, early on in USV's history, Mark came into my office in New York one day and kind of said, Fred, Fred, I got to tell you something. You know, like laid out this whole thesis about like social is the new big thing and everything's going to be social. And of course, he was completely right about that. Yeah. Um, and so, therefore, he believes that he gave me the playbook that we went and executed. Uh, And to some extent that's true, but you know success does have a thousand fathers and he was just one of them He wasn't the only one although anybody who knows Mark and I know Nabil knows Mark well Knows that Mark has a view of things and it's impossible to correct him and that's his view and so uh, I'll just accept it as the truth (laughs) What
1: what year was that? What what year did you come by for that?
2: Oh four, oh five. we had just closed our fund. It was early Yeah, You know, he had already started, he was doing Tribe, he was already an investor in in LinkedIn and Facebook. But what people don't know is that the first group of investors in Facebook were Sean Parker, uh, Mark Pincus, Reid Hoffman, and one other person who I should know and I don't. Um, But anyway, uh, Mark and Reid invested in Facebook and then went on to start LinkedIn. And Tribe, which was not successful, and then out of the ashes of Tribe came Zynga. Uh, and so um, they were very early. Uh, Mark and Reed both were very early to that whole sector. Yeah, it was a very category bet for them. I mean, they were just chasing social
0: wherever they could find it. I mean, they felt like yeah, it was that, a big, and that's big
2: thing. what Mark came into my office and just like I got to tell you, know, he's like he had this thing he had to get out, you know, of his head. Got to tell you this, you know, this is what's going to happen, and you know, yeah, and he yeah. kind of predicted everything. <laughs> yeah. y- the y- only y- problem is he whiffed a little bit with Tribe, which you know <laughs> I was an angel investor in. Um, it was fine, like you know, it, you know, I'll take I've bet on everything Mark ever has ever done, and. He's made me a lot of money over the years, so I'll take the whiffs anytime.
1: <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And and hey, to your credit, you were blogging way before that um, encounter. I mean, I know you've known Mark many years before that, too, but you know, you're. Well, is blogging social media? Sure. See, that's like the
2: question. Like, is blogging social media? I guess in some ways it is, but like, certainly. The early blogging platforms like Movable Type and even WordPress, you know, didn't have a ton of social baked into them. I feel like Tumblr was the thing, right? Like Bijan, when when you came into our office and were like, there's this thing in New York, there's this guy, David Carp, you know, he's kind of made blogging social. That to me was the first time I ever saw somebody deliver blogging as a true social media experience.
1: Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I, I totally agree, but there's something about that comments and community on ABC that I felt like you had your own social network. Right, that's true. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Mark Mark got credit. Mark! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent. So the second question is Andrew Parker. Andrew tweeted a question about uh, this whole YC. I guess YC made a lot of news recently on uh, encouraging startups to uh, adopt a 10-year exercise date instead of a 90-day, traditional 90-day exercise window. Um, Fred, do you want to... I'd love to hear your opinion. I've got one. Do you want to kick it off on like what this is and uh, what are your thoughts? Well, look, it's a reaction
2: to the fact that uh, if you work at a company for two, three, four, five, six, seven years and you leave the company, exercising those options is incredibly painful, not just for the exercise price, which is often not the big problem, but the tax bill. And so many, many people over the years have left companies and not exercised because they couldn't afford to do it. And the companies typically give give you 90 days to do it. And so, you know, there's been a lot of people saying for quite a while now that, you know, we have to change the system. It's not fair and that people's work is basically they're not getting fully rewarded for their work because they're having to walk away from their options. And that I agree with 100 percent. I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, The problem with the solution that a lot of people are using, which is just extend the exercise date to seven years or 10 years, um, is that it means that um, I think there's going to be less loyalty to these companies. And we have a number of companies that have adopted this policy if you stay for more than two years, which is, I like that. I think that's good. Mm. But what has happened is that um, the two-year anniversary date is the date that the recruiters start calling right? Because they know that all of a sudden this employee is quote unquote loose, right? And so it's not a four-year wait anymore. It's a two-year wait. And so I just think that there may be some better options than just extending the exercise date. I like early exercise. Get your employees to exercise every month that they vest. Get them to exercise. Um, That's an interesting, because the the, 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 the wider the difference is between strike price and the, the, the existing fair market value the more the tax, bill that's the tax so bill. If you can right. so if you can exercise a lot early that's good RSUs are another mechanism we you know, I think we should see companies use more of those and and then I think extending the exercise period is a piece of the mix but I, I think I'd rather see companies create some sort of a cocktail that involves all of those as opposed to just saying oh that's the answer because I do think it's going to create more churn in the, in the team and people are going to be even more mercenary than they've been, which is pretty damn mercenary.
1: Yeah. Nibiel, what do you think?
0: Well, I guess I have a slightly different view on what those options are. I mean, I think, you know, I, the first year or year and a half that I'm at a company and working my butt off every month or quarter, those options are vesting. Um, you know, they're not mine until I put the time in. But, but if I've put in two years um like my practical belief as an employee of that company or founder of that company is that those options are are now mine and uh and this this exercise and tax bill feels to me like a way of yanking back options that i actually i put in the time and earned if i put in two or three years into a startup and i decide it's time for me to move on like so be it I, i i the last thing i would want is a bunch of employees hanging out um, because they can't exercise their stock options. Um, and so they're going to wait for an IPO or a big secondary event before they can actually leave. That's a way to encourage dead weight around the company that I don't, I don't think anyone really wants either. Um, so I, I get the difficulty, like, you know, if you're creating these situations where, um, there are these moments in time where it's like you have go, no go, then yeah, that's, that's where the recruiters call in. But, um, I'm fine with seven or ten years because I don't think it changes anything other than exactly what happens right now, which is at four years I put four years into a startup. That's already a cliff. I'm already going to be headed out the door or thinking about it anyway if I'm unhappy. Um, so I don't know how it changes that.
2: Well, well, you know, I think maybe RSUs are the are, are the best of all worlds because um, you own the stock. Um, well, you, what you really own is you own a right to the underlying value right. when you get a liquidity event, which is how you defer the taxes. The RSU is just a hack on the U.S. tax code, right? It basically does what the U.S. tax code should do, which is create the taxation event at the moment of liquidity as opposed to the moment of exercise. And so unless we can get the IRS to change the tax code and start taxing options when they actually become liquid as opposed to when you exercise them, I think we should just Move to
0: RSUs uh, RSUs have their own I, I, I had RSUs in a startup previously uh, that, in fact, Mr. Pincus was involved with. And, and I can tell you, I think uh, uh, there's a lot of un- All of these things have unintended com- consequences. So maybe I end up back in cocktail land with you, Fred, <laughs> at the end here. Because the RSUs, the, the problem is you, know, you have no ability to early exercise. And so you're guaranteed to be taxed at ordinary income at the absolute highest rates at the time of the IPO. And, uh, that's erasing a huge amount of the value, um, that's been accrued over, over time. Um, you also have no control of timing. So the other thing that happened is like, and this happened right around the Zynga IPO and the Facebook IPO, you know, you're trying to suddenly, like you can't deduct from a mortgage payment after buying a house or anything, cause you, you just have no control over timing. And maybe we're not in the game of like trying to think about what an individual employee is doing with their life, but it, it's, you know, it's not great. Um, it, it also, yeah. because you own it. It's, a, it's an own stock and so it, it seems like you're rewarding an employee for the present value of the company versus appreciating value of
2: the company. Right. Well, I, you know, look, what I encourage our companies to do when they're really, really early yeah. is give restricted stock because the retri- totally. restricted stock and then if the employee does an does a, does a, a 83B election... They can they can take the entire tax hit early on, and if the value of the stock is penny a share or five cents a share or something, it's like nominal value, and and then then they got the whole thing, and then I think options for a while, and then I think you got to move to either a mix of RSUs and options, or maybe all the way to RSUs. Like I just think there has to be some sort of, you know. you know, you, you evolve what the, what the equity compensation is yeah. as the value of the company grows.
0: Or, or, or it could be tied to the employee. I, I, I got into a conversation with Josh Shellman over at Greylock the other day about this issue. And, and uh, after some back and forth, we kind of got to this thing around uh, maybe their are options as an employee, but, but when you leave, they convert into RSU warrants as the, at, at the point of leaving.
2: Well, that's a cool idea. Has anybody tried that? Don't think so. No, look. There's going to be a lot of experimentation here, um, and I think it's good that some people are trying these long uh, exercise, uh, extended exercise things, and we're going to see whether that works. Uh, I just worry that um, there are going to be some unintended consequences, and we don't exactly know what they are. And I, what I'm advising our companies is let's not rush into this um, and be the early adopters here and then have that oh shit moment when you want to sell the company, you want to go public and there's some huge problem that all of a sudden, oh, how come we never thought of that? Yeah. yeah, There's something about doing things the way they've been done for 30 years because you know, you, like, you know how that movie ends. Whereas if you try something new that's never been done before, like – we did with RSUs five or seven or 10 years ago when they were first invented. Yep. You know, you got to figure this stuff out.
1: You know, it's funny as VCs to say, hey, let's just keep with the status quo. But in this case, I, I, I tend to agree with you and, and not to be the skunk in the picnic. But for me, you know, the balancing thing is like on one hand, I'm sensitive to the issues that Nabil brought up. Like this, this stock is mine. I, I, re- and I And I hate the fact that there are one-off deals being done in the boardroom. we like, oh, this employee gets an extension, that employee doesn't. That always felt kind of yucky to me. But... On the flip side, I just feel like uh, oftentimes these companies have to change and evolve and all of a sudden you got a big chunk of the cap table that's sitting in people's hands that bailed on the company that have nothing to do with the future of the company. You know, like That dynamic to me is the rub here.
2: Yeah, except that did they bail on the company or were they the ones who built the initial version of the software that let the company be in business and then they moved on to something else? Is that bailing on the company or is that like they did the hardest thing of all and then moved on? Like. It's, these things are really right. tricky, right? Yeah. Like just because somebody doesn't want to be there for 10 years, doesn't mean that they didn't make like a huge contribution that the company benefits from for years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I have both uh, versions in my head <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm trying to pick which one I like better, but I, I hear you.
0: I, I'm all okay, except for the status quo. I think we, you know, we should continue <laughs> this conversation, like the, I'm glad the industry is having this conversation because they're actually fixing a real problem. You know, I, it, it, I have had way too many conversations with you know, 23, 24, 27, 30 year old uh, you know, engineers and, and designers who have put their whole life into a startup for the last two or three or four years and are leaving, on, and at that point in time, because that startup is actually moderately successful, they can either get a house or exercise their options. And like, that's the choice. And I don't think that's actually the way any of this should be intended to happen. That, and that, yeah. we, whatever we figure out, we should work on this to try and fix that particular problem.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with one more little uh, funny little thing, but not to go into it, but we'll, we'll, we'll rat hole this forever. But uh, we, at some point we should talk about how venture funds deal with vesting and uh, all that. But anyway, oh, that's boy. for another <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, hey so the next thing uh just in this interest of time Fred you wrote a great post this week I think it was this week on uh you know bundling with the with the new bus versus the old guard Yeah well look I mean it's the thing that's that's happening
2: is that the old bundlers of entertainment the cable companies and and maybe other uh companies are losing you know their market gradually very gradually to the over the top providers like Netflix and Amazon and and Hulu and HBO and things like that. And then on in the music side, there's Spotify and SoundCloud and, and Apple Music and people like that. And what's happening is that uh, two of them in particular, Amazon and, uh, and YouTube have actually come to market with bundles. The Amazon bundle is, is really interesting because it's Amazon Prime. And so you get free shipping and you get their over the top television product, which is starting to be pretty interesting with some good shows. And one could imagine that they're gonna throw more and more and more into that mix and they've got some people say as many as 60 million households subscribe to that, which is like, Amazing. that might be bigger than any cable company. I, I don't know what the biggest cable company is, but 60 million is a lot of households. Yeah. yeah. And then you know, YouTube with their red product um, chose not to have a standalone music subscription service and a standalone video subscription service. They bundled it into a single service that you gotta pay one price for and you can't, you can't just take one or the other. And they are going to do original shows. Uh, it seems like the original shows they're doing are more focused on their youth demographic and the whole YouTuber thing. And and they're not doesn't look like they're going to go compete with Amazon and Netflix, it's sort of the more highbrow, high budget budget stuff. But they're definitely going to get into that business too. So. It's just interesting to me, and I, I think like we're going to see the, the mobile carriers do this too. I mean, it would seem obvious instead of building these products themselves, maybe they'll go out to the market and take a, a Netflix and stick it together with a SoundCloud or a Spotify or something else and stitch together their own bundle.
1: So like we've been talking about for years, like, you know, jumping up and down that the old bundlers were not very consumer friendly, right? Like Comcast is giving us this bundle, whether we like it or not. We were screaming and yelling as boxy shareholders that this bundle has to be busted. Bust Uh, the bundle! Bust bust the bundle! bundle. (laughs) (laughs) You had Abner with a sledgehammer on, on, on the cover of something. So, you know, like, is this bundle any different? I think it is different I the op- think it is optimist different because, and he says that this bundle is awesome because, like Amazon keeping one price and just shoving more value every three months you get more value in the bundle uh, versus Comcast giving you you know higher prices for less value. so is that the fundamental difference? I, I think that you
2: really got to look at like what the core DNA of a company is, and the cable companies are monopolists because they came out of. A monopoly franchise. They were given a monopoly, and they've always been monopolists, and they behave as monopolists. You know, Amazon is not a monopolist. I mean, yes, they're trying to take over the world to be monopolists. Come on, but (laughs) they—the way that they go to market is by driving down prices ruthlessly, right? right? And trying to—you know—it's a scorched earth strategy. Now, maybe if they're successful with it in twenty years, they'll turn into monopolists. But right now, their whole thing is drive down prices, and it is a competitive market. If you don't like the Amazon bundle, you can go get the YouTube bundle or, you know, by the way, it could be that Netflix or HBO will use their franchise um, to go become a bundler, right? So I think we're going to see a competitive market here. And, you know, if you live in Boston, you're not going to have one person that you have to go to for entertainment. You can go to anybody. Why isn't the solution not bundling? But why can we not have bundling? Well, there's, there's a sales and marketing efficiency to bundling, right? Like if Every single one of these companies has to spend 100 bucks, or 200 bucks, or 400 bucks to acquire a new subscriber. Yeah. Yep. Whereas if they could do it across a bundle, there's a real economy there uh, for them.
1: Yeah, I just think that it's very—it's a funny cycle because we're all jumping up and down to get HBO à la carte, and and the the functional equivalent here would be like you just want. Um, you know, you just want game, uh, House of Cards a la carte or something. Well, but look yeah. at, Maybe,
2: but think about it this way, right? Like if you have Netflix and HBO, you got Spotify, you got, you know, whatever, whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, you're paying, you know, Your the cable. same hundred bucks a month that That's you right. were spending. You got right? the same cable bill. And I feel like people are going to start to say no more, right? And if somebody comes in and says... Hey, you know, and I think, like I said, AT&T and and Verizon, I think, are two obvious candidates to do it. Pay us 60 bucks a month and you'll get all of them. That's going to be a winning strategy.
0: I just wish they offered both. Like, you're right. This is all about a sales and marketing effort. And that just means that we're just going to, I'm worried we're going to be in this world that in two years is you have seven different bundles And uh, there is no way, there is no way to get House of Cards separately. And so I have to decide that I'm either watching House of Cards or Game of Thrones or I'm paying $100. Like there's no way to say, look, Amazon gets me 80% of what I want. I have one other show on one other network that I want. I'm happy to pay, you know, $10 an episode for those six episodes, whatever it is for the year. And like, let's be done. It it, it feels like this is, we're going to get caught again. Consumers are going to get caught again in these like, you know, four or five media companies Um, just retitled and renamed and recasted that are battling it out with exclusives to try and get you to pick them over the other guy instead of allowing folks to kind of mix and match what they really want for their
2: entertainment needs. Well, I'm really worried that that's going to happen in the music business. How would you consider that? Because, you know, if Kanye's only available on Tidal and Adele's only available on Apple Music or wherever and then all of a sudden you're like, I got to have three of these things? Yeah. You know? Now, I think the difference is that music is the kind of thing that you want to listen to again and again and again and you binge on a TV show and you probably don't go back although my niece apparently has watched every Gilmore Girls episode ever (laughs) like 20 times each so there are some people who do binge again and again but you know it's so they so I do think music plays out maybe a little bit differently and people are like well screw it I'll just deal without the Kanye and I'll still have my subscription to this other service but it, you're right. There's a, there is an emerging consumer backlash that's going to happen, and people are going to say, "What the fuck?" Right. You know. Right. I. I, I, I you, you know. I don't want to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I and back in the day, I'd go to Tower Records at midnight and pick up any record I want. I mean, I had to buy the whole record. Right. But but actually, in those days, I was happy to get the whole record. I'd like getting. Uh yeah, yeah I, Quadrophenia with a whole album. Like, that was a good yeah, day. It's, it's just, it's what leads
0: us back to piracy again, which is like, you just, it's, it's, right. it's, bu- it's, the bundling gets us to, it's the same thing between, you know, an Xbox and PlayStation where you're like, well, no, I gotta, do I have to buy both consoles in order to be able to participate in all the titles I actually want to play? Or I have one title on the other console that I want.
2: It's unfortunate that we're gonna, I, I think we're gonna find ourselves there again, but. So no, no, I I totally agree with you on that and you know I wrote this blog post a long time ago now like seven or eight years ago that streaming is what gets rid of piracy and you know we've seen it we've seen you know the emergence of reasonably priced music streaming services and piracy's come down a lot like a lot and then all of a sudden Kanye does this thing with Tidal and it turns out that like everybody instead of going to get Tidal Went and bit torn to this record, and of right. course that's going to happen. Like he right. didn't realize that was going to happen. Uh-huh. He's shocked that that's going to happen. You know, like you got to make the content available across all these channels in a way that people want to buy it, or it's it's not gonna it's not gonna work. People are gonna go steal it.
1: It is fascinating. I mean, this, this cycle is 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 remarkable. I feel like it, it accelerated faster than I thought in terms of uh, we're back. All right. Hey. So. Um, I think we'll just keep riffing on, on things that you've been talking about. It's great having you on, so we can kind of keep going with this. But, but I, I don't know if this was the first time you said it or the fifth time you said it or whatever. But we had dinner with uh, Jordy. I don't know if you remember in December. What was the name of that bar? Anyway, it was in the East Village. But um, yeah, it was
2: it was called the Mermaid.
1: The Mermaid. I yeah, I think it's the Mermaid. It's cool. And uh, and and you were you were talking about hey, we haven't seen a breakout consumer app in four or five years or something like that. And then and then I happened to catch on Twitter today some post that's linked to a Comscore piece that some something like the vast majority of Americans don't, la- don't download apps, period. I mean, I, I'm trying to find it now. 60, so it cons-
0: 60, the, the stat was 65% of smartphone users have not downloaded an
1: app in the last month. Yeah, that to me is, a, I mean, like, do, do you guys live in that world? I mean, I, forget your job, like, do you, have you not downloaded an app in the last month? I, well, I you can't
2: be a VC and not download apps. That's the that's the that's the real truth of it. I d- I've yeah. downloaded five apps today. Yeah. Um, and I and I don't delete them. So I've just used Spotlight <laughs> search. I'm on an iPhone right now. I use Spotlight search to find stuff. I don't even I don't even scroll through my phone.
1: I don't. I must have like 40
2: pages of apps on my phone now.
1: <laughs> well, you you publicly, uh, I could tell you were downloaded a new app over the over this week because you went on a on a tweet rant about one app you were trying out that you weren't very happy with? You know, it's
2: bullshit, right? Like to default <laughs> to like, oh, you tried this thing and boom, and now I'm gonna spam all my users. The, the thing is that the, the, the founder of that company, um, which is called Anchor, reached out to me and apologized and, and he told me they actually changed their, they
1: changed their setting because great, of that. So great. I feel
2: like my temper tantrum was
1: rewarded. Victory, yeah, auto-tweet's a bad move. Uh, hey but so what's your take on this whole thing? I mean are you still where you were when we had dinner? Um do you feel like it's app fatigue? Do you think uh this is about incumbents having mind share? Uh do you think the smartphone is just like, hey, maybe the browser's better than we thought? Uh like what what's what's happening here where most people don't download apps? Well, I think it's a little bit
2: of all of those things. Um, you know, Look, the fact is, since Snapchat, I can't think of it. I mean, if you go through the ComScore top 100 mobile apps, uh, other than Snapchat, Snapchat's the most recent entrant into that list. And the other thing that's interesting is that many of the uh, companies on that list were web, web apps, right? right? That then saw that they had to build mobile apps and they used their uh, position on the web to build strong mobile franchises. And so mobile wasn't as disruptive to the web as we thought. People still use websites. Um, People still use mobile web on their phones. So I think what we have is a world where people are using a little bit of all of those things, and some people are happy using Amazon. I mean, we had this conversation at one of our board meetings. You were there.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, It was last week, and they're like, he was like, You use the Amazon app? I'm like, Hell yeah, (laughs) I use the Amazon app. He was shocked. He's like, What's wrong with the Amazon mobile web app? I was like, I don't know. I use the Amazon app.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think it came down to, I said, yeah, but can you do this? He goes, yeah. I go, can you do this? He goes, yeah. And I go, can you do Touch ID? He goes, no. And <laughs> then that was, that was it. Um, yeah, you know, iOS, I don't know if Android has this thing, but iOS has this thing where you can look at your battery usage by app. And it originally was kind of trying to out bad actors, like bad app providers that, you know, kind of are, are, are mean to your operating system. But... But I think it's just kind of cool just to see like what you use. So like in a world where we're downloading apps all the time, right now I opened up my thing and in the last 60 days I've got Twitter at 28%. I mean, and Twitter's not an unkind citizen of your operating system. It's just, this is like, basically it's my Twitter phone. I mean, if you guys think about that.
2: <laughs> so the last seven days, Gmail is 4x everything else. So your, yours is it's, a Gmail yes, phone. It's your email phone, Yeah. Well, SoundCloud's next, and text messaging's next after that, and then Twitter, and then Chrome,
1: and then Swarm. What's your browser percentage? Four.
0: Yeah, mine's three. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very, very telling. Um, right. You know, because that, that, that counters the earlier comment, which, you know, maybe the mobile web is, web is what's replacing apps, and it's because it's open, and it's a URL and a link away off of Twitter
2: or Facebook or wherever else you got the link certainly not the case for us, uh, you know, for you too, Yeah, but, right if we, if, but if we did the survey of Donald Trump supporters, we would find <laughs> out that they'd never downloaded a mobile app in their lives. Yeah. This is a, demogra- this is a demographic thing. Yeah. It yeah, really yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. You know, we are not, not normal. And that's why VCs got to be careful, right? If you invest in the things that you
1: like, you're going to have a problem. I think I'm having a problem. <laughs> 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 um, so what, what, what happens next then? If no one's downloading apps... And we're the weirdo group. Well, I mean, it's a
0: little bit, I mean, I think that, you know, Chris Dixon wrote a post uh, last week, a week before on what's next in computing that I think was a a fairly high level view of the major new platforms of innovation that, I mean, I've been, I don't think I would have thought of this when I became a VC not that long ago, but you never know what you're actually going to invest in, I, I, I think, but I've ended up spending a lot of time in AR and self-driving cars and drones and IoT and kind of the next platforms, p- partly as a factor of this. It's just not not seeing anything in the mobile ecosystem that felt like it was actually... Uh, Inspiring? Yeah, yeah, differentiated, like actually 10x different and better. When did you start at Spark? Three and a half years ago, almost four years ago. Okay,
2: so that's about the last time we saw a real breakout. Yeah, right? I missed I missed Snapchat. the window. <laughs> no, but, you, but that's the thing was you arrived and you said... There's nothing new here, interesting here. So I'm going to go find new interesting places. The mistake that a lot of us have made in the venture business is still trying to find breakout successes in mobile for the past four years. You, you just said screw it. That's over, right? That's that's what we all need to do. Yeah, I, you know, I think yeah, always. No, I
0: like. I'm always open, though, right? Like I don't want to. Like I guess you know, like,
1: like It feels like hey, the next Stuart Butterfield, please call me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm always. I, and I've, I guess every year I think I've been thinking about. I've talked to Bijan about this too. Like every year I've been thinking, okay, so this is the year where all the like ten percent improvements stop. Like the, they're going to stop copying the last thing with a mildly different Twitter-like feed interface with a follow model, and then we're going to really see something you know sizably different. And and I'm still open to that happening. I guess I worded it that way.
1: I know one one more Twitter-looking user interface. It's like I'm I'm going to like pull my hair out, but. We've been dealing with that for four years. I think that's been the, um, the problem. My own little lazy analysis is, hey, in the last four years, we just have had just too many me-toos. It just, nobody's really thought about it differently.
2: And that's our fault and the fault of every right. investor Total, out there. That's yeah, right. Because Total, enabled uh, me to, uh, look, Nabil. I love it. I love that you just said, I'm not going to play that game. You know, yeah. I'm going to go play a different game. And I think you're being rewarded for it. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not intimate with your portfolio, but I know you've got a couple companies that are really doing great. And that's pretty good for three and a half years in. Only Bijan has a better record than that. I think Bijan like, backed like five yeah. monsters within Developed the first year of business. The only thing I would say about Chris's thing is that there's there's th- to me there's a, n- a number of vectors. Um, one is the uh, the technology waves. And he I think he did just a great job of sort of articulating that both historically in the sort of the present tense and the future tense. The other is business model innovation, and if you really think about why the web was so transformative, it wasn't just because it was one of these technology waves, but it also required entirely new business models uh, to be developed um, that, you know, took 15 years to get developed, but they were really disruptive to think about Microsoft, and all of a sudden Microsoft's game wasn't the game anymore, it was Google's game. The thing that didn't change, frankly, from web to mobile was it didn't really require a different business model. Uh, the business models that work on the web are the business models that work on mobile for the most part, you know, with a few, few minor differences. Uh, gaming, for example, I think the big innovation in some ways in Zynga and some of the other breakout gaming companies of the past 10 years was new business models, not necessarily new games. So that's the piece that Chris didn't really talk about, and that's why we've been interested in things like the blockchain and and Bitcoin and other things like that. It's interesting technology, but it also feels like there might be some new business models that come out of that and so I think when you find when you find a technology wave that also requires a new business model and IoT I think could be really interesting there just because not like 1.0 IoT which I think it was like Nest and Dropcam and things like that but like down the road iot you mean like Um, uh you mean sensor
0: networks right like smaller and smaller
2: and yeah exactly which is what i thought was the best part of chris's post was just like this vision of like sensors everywhere and massive data being fired off into the cloud and ai and machine learning and all that stuff and like out of that soup is going to come some really amazing new companies i'm sure of it
1: yeah yeah Agreed. It was really well written. You know, I'll, I'll uh, make sure we put Chris's post in, uh, in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and Fred's post, too, because I think we're referring to these things. Some people know them, some people don't. So I'll make sure it's all, all linked. Um, hey, so I guess before we talk about important stuff like basketball, um, <laughs> the one other thing I want to talk about, we've been, Nabil and I and, and some of the other folks at Spark, we've been really spending a lot of time on AI you know, I saw, you, you said something about AI you're really excited about, I think, recently. Oh, I know what it was. There was a, um, there was like a little vignette thing that Upfront did before their conference um, where, you know, they're asking VCs and um, what they're excited about. And you actually said AI. Is this, is this something you've been thinking about for a while and, and kind of what, what's your take?
2: I think it's mostly uh, Unisquare Ventures' view more than my view. You know, I always view myself as just the mouthpiece <laughs> the smart people, the, those those who know USB well, know that this smart people are Brad and Andy and Albert and John and Joel and Jonathan. My job is just to sit in the Monday meeting and listen to them, you know, explain everything, and then I just go write it on my blog and get all the credit for it. Um, so it's that that's that is that is our that is our approach <laughs> for those who want to know. Um, that's the trade secret. That's a trade secret. I mean, Albert has been saying for four or five years that we're seeing an inflection point in artificial learn, artificial intelligence machine learning. And finally, the promise of literally the past 30 years has come to pass, mostly because of the massive amounts of data that's now uh, possible to train these machines. And plus, we've, we've, we've gotten better at, at the computer science as well. Um, and But the thing that's so interesting is that we are seeing it now every single day. Yeah, It's not yeah. just Google and Facebook and Apple. You know, you see it just in all kinds of products, and you're like, "Whoa, that was smart! That was great! Why did I get that recommendation? Why did I?" You know, like I know a lot of people love the um, Monday morning playlists that Spotify generate. You know, I don't forget what they're called. Uh, Discover Weekly. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that might not be artificial intelligence, but that's data science, right? Right. And that was and data science met. from a from a startup
0: originally. That was an acquisition. Um, Boston, baby. Oh, that yeah. was the company that, uh, that what were they called?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, that's, and when it happens, it's magic. It's yeah. just like, you know, my daughter works at Foursquare, and she and I are both huge Foursquare list people. And I said, you know, when I get to a new city, I want to see like, oh, Bijan made a list for Seattle. Like, oh, what's on Bijan's list? They could do that. That would be easy to do. Right. You know, those moments are magic. And I think we're seeing just more and more of that every day. And so I, I think artificial intelligence, machine learning, all that technology and science, is here. It's real. It's happening right now, and we're experiencing it every single day, which is why all these other things, I, IOT, I think, is is too already kind of real and happening. But a lot of these other things, I still think, are on the come.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah I,
0: I I think the thing about machine learning, which is just, I'm not saying anything that, that others haven't also said, but the output of big data is AI. It's right. you know, it can be data science in a whole, but but that that's fine, and that's linear progress. But the, the nonlinear progress output of, of big data is, is machine learning. It's having that training set. My, my worry a little bit is that it, because the training set is so important, it, the large companies, Facebook and Google, this is a situation where they will have an incumbent advantage because they have so much more data. And any startup who's trying to tackle the space, it's not just about the algorithms, of course. They have to have some proprietary or some unique, um, insight into access into a large
2: data set, or else, I, or else I think it's going to be very uphill battle. That's why, if you look at the things that we've done in this area, we have done uh, developer platforms like CIF Science for fraud detection and Clarify for image and video detection. These are APIs that um, are designed to make every company be able to compete with Google and Facebook and others, right? And What's so sexy about that is that if you have an API for fraud detection and e commerce checkout, and you have 500 or 5,000 e commerce checkout companies basically giving you real time data all the time, then, then you actually can compete with Amazon because you're seeing as many checkouts as Amazon. Right. Or if you're Clarify and you've got everybody who's got photos and videos on their website giving you their photos and videos to train your algorithms, you can compete with Facebook and Google. And so I, I like. That, you know, this is, again, Albert's insight. This is not Fred's insight. I really <laughs> need to give him credit for this, that, that, that that's an interesting way to play it because you're exactly right, Nabil. Otherwise, they're just going to win these big guys. So we need to come up with these third-party platforms that can give everybody else the same scale advantages. Yeah, I totally agree, Fred. Yeah.
1: Um, Should we talk yeah. about basketball, Bijan? Well, just when you mentioned CIF <laughs> I have to give a shout-out to Jason Tan, the founder of CIF Science. He, he, uh, he sent us a tweet, but... Um, you know, I'm going to take that one on the next one, because that's a huge topic, and I feel like we don't have that much time left, but uh, thanks, Jason, for the tweet. We're, we're proud uh, CIF Science investors as well. So, cool. Uh, all right, here's the big deal. So, I, I think the Warriors this year, it's inevitable, right? Is that is that unfair? Well, no,
2: someone can get hurt.
1: Okay, fair enough. Somebody can get hurt. But it, it's like, I, I don't remember this being this excited about the NBA in a long time. Um, Steph Curry you know, is he going to make a run at Michael Jordan's legacy or, or are we seeing something different? What, what, what's what's going on?
2: My view? Yeah. I think he's unlike any other player. In the same way that, that, uh, that LeBron was different than any other player we've ever seen, um, Steph Curry is, he's more efficient from the three point line than he is from a two point shot. And he's more efficient, turns out, from five or ten feet behind the three-point line yeah. than he is from the three-point line. Yeah, he the guy gets he, better the farther back he goes. Yeah, yeah. he's like 50% from 40 feet.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And that shot that he hit to beat the Thunder in overtime, every single person
1: watching that game knew it was going in.
2: There was no doubt it was going right, in, right? Right, right? That's the other thing is that, like, he gets in the zone.
1: Right. His confidence right now has got to be just invincible. LeBron was never that kind of player. LeBron, I think what makes him amazing
2: is that he plays both sides of the court right. at a level that's, you know, best five in the game. But and and Steph doesn't play great defense to be honest. You watch him play defense and he's 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 kind of like going through the motions. He's he's doing a James Harden. But um <laughs> but when he's on offense, oh my god. So he's more like the Gretzky of basketball. Yeah. Well, and he's he's tiny like Gretzky, right? Yeah, like yeah. he's you always We're, wondered how Gretzky could play that game better than anybody else.
0: Yeah, I, I think the other thing to keep in mind with Steph Curry, which is great, uh, which is really amazing, is, is what a late bloomer he is. I mean, let's not forget, I mean, part of the story about Michael Jordan was how he, he wasn't super heavily recruited uh, into, college, into college basketball. He was joined UNC and just kept blooming. And what was so, what made him so great wasn't where he was at 16. It was that he kept pushing himself. Steph Curry went to Davidson, Right? I, like, Steph Curry didn't even go to a tier one school I, I, in basketball, and he was not heavily recruited even in the NBA because everyone thought, you know, glass ankles, like he just wasn't going to make it, and he wasn't going to last that long. He was going to get injured all the time. You should relish in how good he is, and it's also like a, a good testament and lesson to, to being a late bloomer and, and continuing to push yourself because um, he's
1: doing stuff that no, one, no one's ever done. I totally agree yeah. with that. It's awesome. I, I got to see them uh, on the court. I've only watched them on TV, but I, I just got to go there. It, it just feels like uh, we can't miss this opportunity. Come over you to go. the East Bay. Just, I'm, I'm right over here. They're right up the
0: street from my house. I got <laughs> it. Anytime, John.
1: I got it. Yeah, but it. they're moving. They're moving, try.
2: which is not good for you. I know. Right. I know.
1: I can handle it. I can handle going into the city. It'll be okay. All right. Hey, this is totally awesome. Fred, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Just, you know, Fred Wilson's on Twitter at at Wilson. Blog is abc.com. Nabil, what am I missing? That's it. I
0: think we're done for now. Fred, uh, hopefully we get a chance for you to come chat with us again in the future. Look forward to it.
1: All right. It's a lot of fun. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thank you
2: so much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.